Thank y'all, thank y'all so much for being here to lead us today, for singing as beautifully as you do, for singing to the glory of the Lord. Matthew chapter 16 is where we'll be this morning. We are beginning our uh, series looking toward Easter, looking toward what they were just singing about, about knowing Christ, knowing his life, knowing his death, understanding knowing the power of his resurrection. We're looking at these things over the next few weeks. I looked this week out of curiosity as I was preparing today's text and saw, looked up to see what was written on the tombstone of Billy Graham. Some of y'all may know that, some of you may have seen. I know his passing and funeral services were well publicized and very recent, but on the tombstone of Billy Graham, it says, Billy Graham preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and then references John 14 6 that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and that's all and you would think for a man that lived a life and served in ministry the way that Billy Graham did that that seems very simple preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ but as simple as it seems I thought What better to be said about a man or woman after they leave this earth other than not necessarily preacher but servant, one who spoke and told the gospel, one who served the Lord Jesus Christ. What more could you want to be remembered about you? Billy Graham had an outstanding life, one that I believe has inspired many people to live more Christ-like. Today, that's what we're going to look at is in the scriptures at the idea of living more like Christ. We're going to see Jesus's life as an example, a template, if you will, for how we are to live. So look with me in Matthew chapter 16. I'll begin by reading first verses 24 and 25. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whoever would save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it today I want to show you just a couple of things that very brief points but today I want to show you as we look at this I want you to see that this probably was understood and received by <clears throat> by the disciples in a different way than we see or hear or usually receive this text. Then I want to show you why we would be willing to give up things, including our life, for the sake of Jesus Christ. And if we can get that, then we'll be good and ready to go. So if y'all will listen, I will get into it. If you listen quickly, I will talk slowly because I don't know any other way to talk. But point one, let me go ahead and give it to you. Point one this morning, Jesus calls his followers to a high cost. I know we don't talk about that a lot in the church, but it's something that we need to understand. The cost of following Jesus at different times and in different ways is a high cost. There's a lot that you may have to give up that may be required of you for being a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, for you and I, when we hear this text, I think that we hear it in a much less threatening and much more simple way than the disciples standing here before Jesus heard that. As they hear him say, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross 
and follow me. You have to understand the context. So Jesus has just finished explaining to them. It says in verse 21 of this same chapter, from that time after Peter recognizes that Jesus is the Christ, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must, he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. So here's the context for which Jesus is teaching that you need to take up a cross and follow me. Now, a lot of times when we hear this, I think that we start to think in more simple terms. We think, well, yes, for me to be a Christian, for me to be a follower of Christ, I will have to give up a couple of things. I may I may need to give up a couple of sins and things that, that I enjoy doing that I'm going to have to give those up and and maybe a couple of friends or relationships with people that I have that are unhealthy, that, that make me or lead me to do the wrong things. I may need to be able to give up some of those relationships. And we read you know, him saying, deny yourself. And we think, well, my old sinful self, I need to disassociate with my old sinful self, the flesh side of me that loves sin. I need to deny that self and and that's kind of how we see this text i need there'll be a few things that i need to do differently in order to be a follower of christ which is absolutely true don't let me make you believe that's not true it is absolutely true all those things need to be done in order we we need to disassociate with our old sinful self we need to give up sinful habits and sins that we've enjoyed absolutely but i want you to see this this morning that that is the floor of what it means to be a Christian. That's not the ceiling of what it means to be a Christian. That is the, the most basic thing that would be required in following Christ, not the highest cost of following Christ. Sometimes we think that when we hear this text, that that is the most that it could mean, is that I need to give up some sinful things that I enjoy. But I would argue this morning that that would be closer to being one of the fewest or least things that you would need to give up. You see, Jesus says to them, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I am going to suffer physically, and I am going to be killed. That's what it says in verse 21. Not I'm going to go and I'm going to die. I am going to be killed. I am going to have my life. I'm going to give my life so that it can be taken. This idea that Jesus gives them that he is going to suffer literally, not in some figurative imagination. He is literally going to suffer. And he is literally going to be killed. And then Peter rebukes him and says, No, no, Lord, that would never happen to you. And then Jesus rebukes Peter back and says, Yes. And then in essence, what we see here is Jesus saying, Yes, Peter, that is going to happen to me. And if any of you plan to be my followers, you need to plan on it happening to you as well. You need to be prepared that this might be required of you as well. If you are going to follow me as I go and I suffer, you need to understand that following me may lead you down a road that's going to cause you to suffer. As I go and as I am killed, you need to understand that it may require of you even your life to follow me. And of course, we know that for 11 of the 12 disciples there at this point hearing him, 11 of the 12 were killed. So it is true for these men. When they heard this, they heard it in a much different way than we hear. When we hear, take up your cross, we think take up your cross. 
in quotation marks, right? Denying myself, doing something. They heard, take up your cross. They were still living in the day and time when a cross was the way that people were killed. And so when Jesus says, I'm going to be killed and you need to get ready to take up your cross, it wasn't in some non-threatening, non-literal. It was Jesus saying, listen, disciples, if you're planning to follow me where I'm going, you need to be prepared. They may kill you on a cross as well. History has it that at least three of the disciples of Christ were probably crucified on a cross. When Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, it wasn't just get rid of some of your old sinful habits. It was be ready to give up possibly everything in order to follow me. We see it also there in verse 25. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Again, here we see Jesus not talking in the figurative sense that we think, but in the literal sense. That if you cling to your life, if to you your life, disciples, is more precious than following me, then in the end you're going to lose your life. But if you would give up even your life for my sake, then you will find your true life, the greater purpose for which you are here. So I say that to give us this, that when we see this, we need to understand it in its context, not of the, the floor in which we see this text of I might have to do some things that are uncomfortable, but the truth of I might literally be killed for following Jesus because that's how these men that were listening to Jesus say this heard it. Why do I say that, that having to disassociate with our sinful self and sinful habits and possibly some sinful friends, why do I say that that's the floor? Because some of you are thinking right now, that's not just the floor, that's a pretty big deal. And it is a big deal, but I would argue that that is repentance. That's, what, that's the picture of repentance, right? I'm sinning, and I realize that I'm sinning, and so I repent and turn from my sins. Is that not one of the basic requirements of becoming a Christian? Right? That's not the greatest cost of being a Christian is repentance. That's one of the basic requirements. We have faith in Christ, and our faith brings us to a place of repentance. I give up my sinful habits. I disassociate with my old sinful self. We saw the picture of baptism last week. My old sinful self has died, and I'm a brand new person. Repentance. This text is not saying that you will only be required to repent of your sins, but Jesus is saying that being a follower of him for them might cost their very life for believers today around the world. I know it seems odd for us sitting here in the comfort of Mount Zion, but for us, it seems like that's not a real possibility. For many believers across the world today and yesterday, there were many believers around the world yesterday that were killed because they were followers of Jesus Christ. They hear this and they hear it the way that Jesus literally spoke it, that I might have to give up my very life for following Jesus Christ. So I have a couple of questions that I hope and pray as you listen to these. If you're not listening to these, I hope that you will listen to these. If somebody next to you is not listening to these, wake them up so they can listen to these. This might help us to understand some of the things above repentance that might be required because we are true followers of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, if it costs you friends, not just you know, some of us think there are a couple of friends. But if some of your friends that you think of as good friends that you don't think being a Christian would cost you. But if some of them said, listen, if you're going to go to church on Sundays instead of hanging out with us on Sundays, if you're going to talk about Jesus and that kind of stuff, if you're going to be one of them, 
then you're not going to be able to hang out with us. If that is the cost that's given to you, you have Christ over here and you have these friends over here that are telling you, giving you an ultimatum, you will pick one or the other, which are you picking? Are you going to say, man, I re- now I know hypothetically that's easy, but some of us really love our friends and some of us don't have that many friends. Some, for some people, that's a really big cost that you might literally have to give up in order to follow Christ. What if it's things like popularity? What if it's fame? What if all of a sudden, whenever you accepting that I'm living not for my glory, but for God's glory is going to cost you the way, the status that you have in the circles that you run with, the people that you spend time with? What if it's habits that you like? What if there are some habits that you really, really enjoy that Christ is going to call you to give up? When it comes, push comes to shove, and I'm choosing Christ, or I'm choosing these things, which are you going to choose? What if it's not just a friend, but a relationship that you really, truly, deeply cherish. Maybe it's a romantic relationship. Maybe a husband, wife. Maybe it's a fiancé, a boyfriend, girlfriend. But what if that person gives you an ultimatum? If you are going to be a Christian, if you are going to follow Jesus, then you're going to have to pick him over me. And they give you the ultimatum that you will not have both. I'm asking you, which road are you going to choose? this person that you love what if it's a mother or a father or a child that says listen dad if you are going to be somebody that talks about Jesus and somebody that goes to church you're not going to spend time around me and your grandkids what if your parents say I didn't raise you in church for a reason and if you're going to be one of those Christians then you're not welcome here anymore. People all around, I know this seems strange to some of us because we can't imagine it, but people all around the world have to deal with these real questions every single day. If I follow Christ, my parents will not accept me as their child anymore. And I ask you, if you're faced with that, which way do you go? What if it's your job? What if your job requires of you things that being a Christian won't allow you to do anymore? And that's your source of income and supporting your family. And then, of course, there's the one that Jesus lays out here. What if it was your life? What if all of a sudden America isn't the same country that it is today? What if 10 or 20 years and all of a sudden we're starting to see that that's a real possibility? And what if they start to say things like, if you cannot affirm homosexual marriage or, or whatever these different things, if you cannot affirm abortion or infanticide, if you cannot affirm that these things are right, that you will be seen as a traitor and your life will be required of you. What are you going to do? These are questions that we need to think about as Christians. Because Jesus says, if anyone, not just to those standing there, if anyone would come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So I want you to see this morning that when Jesus said this, he didn't have just a few simple things, the idea of just repentance in mind. I believe that he honestly had a high cost in mind that he told his followers that they needed to be willing to give up. So there's the first point. The first point this morning is I want you to see the high cost that you might have to pay. I want to be honest with you this morning. If you're here and you're on the fence, you're not a Christian, but you're considering it, I want you to understand up front before you join, before you respond to him in faith, that this is part of it. This is part of what it might require of you to become a Christian. I want you to know that. But now I want to spend the rest of this morning looking at point two, 
Point two, we gain more than we lose when we give all for Christ's sake. We gain more than we lose when we give all for Christ's sake. I went to a conference this week, and one of the brothers there made fun of me. He told me my points are too long. He said, you cannot have points that are that long. I said, I say them twice so that they can write them down. Let me give you a couple of reasons. The first reason that I say that you gain more than you lose, the first reason that I would say that, that you should be willing to give up even things that you treasure is very precious is because Christ is worthy. And I give you that as the first reason, not just in order, but because it is the primary reason. Christ is worthy of whatever you might be required to give up. Absolutely, totally and completely, without any argument he is worthy I want you to realize that this Jesus that's saying this right here isn't somebody who who is trying to fight for you to to accept them in the way that we think of in human terms when some people want to be accepted into a group Jesus isn't somebody that needs you or needs me. It's not like we complete him, and if he can't, if he can't have our affirmations that he's not really God, that's, that's not who we're talking about here. We're talking about the almighty God of the universe who is perfect and complete with or without Zach Kilpatrick. The almighty God of the universe who will still be perfect and who will still be omniscient and omnipresent and omnipowerful, who will still be all of these things, whether I affirm that he is those things or not. God is not some, some, some middle school person or some, some adult that doesn't have many friends who's just begging us to like him. He is the worthy God who made everything, that is in control of everything, and that is worthy of the praise of all people. That's who we're talking about here, is calling you to follow him. He is worthy of us following him. The one that made us, the one that sustains us, the one that takes care of us, the one that's in charge of everything. That's who we're talking about here. Look with me back at our text. I want us to continue after verse 25. It says, in 25, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels and the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Here we see Jesus talking about who he is and what's going to happen, especially in verse 27. We see that he is the Son of Man. He is the one that came. And he is the one that gave his life for us. The son of man that came because he loves us and, and wanted to offer us reconciliation to himself. Who wanted to offer us forgiveness. Who wanted to make it so that on this day when he returns to repay each person for what they have done. That we might not stand guilty before God. He made you and he brought you into life. And then when you sinned, he came and lived this perfect life and died in your place so that you could be redeemed, then overcame death, and now sits at the right hand of the Father waiting to intercede for you if you would come to him in faith. He is worthy, brothers and sisters. He is worth it. 
I pray that if you don't understand that, that today that you would see that he is worthy in every possible way. I want to give you a second reason that we see here in this text. In our loss, there's much to gain. Yes, you might be required to give up life or friends or family, that you might be required to give up relationships or job, that you might be with, that you might have to give up these things, things that we cling very tightly to, things that are very precious and are very valuable to us. But in this text, we see Jesus saying to us that if we give these up for his sake, that we will gain much more. Verse 25, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? I want to give it to you in an illustration form, which I went back and forth this week. I wanted to give you an illustration that I thought would be helpful, and I couldn't find a perfect illustration for this. This is not what Jesus is talking about here is not something that we see in everyday life. So this illustration will be helpful for some of you, and some of you will say, I don't know what he's talking about there. I'm sorry if that's you. But, but how many of you here this morning love your cell phone? Now be honest, because some of you are not raising your hand, but you should be raising your hand. Do any of y'all love your cell phone? Yes. Some of us have grown very fond of our cell phones. Now what if this morning, if I told you that you need to give your cell phone to me. Yeah, you're not going to feel very good about that, are you? Uh, but what about this? What if I said, if you give your cell phone to me, that I will give you an even better cell phone? Now, you can still keep all your contacts and all your games and all your apps, but I'm going to give you an even newer and even better version of your current phone. Now, it's sweetening the deal just a little bit, isn't it? All right, here's the last part of it. If you give me your phone, I'll give you a newer, better version of your phone. But if you hold on to yours and aren't willing to give it, then you're not going to get any phone at all. It's going to be taken from you, and you're not getting a new one, and you won't have any phone at all. Now, all of a sudden, that phone that you didn't want to give up, it makes a little bit more sense to give it up, doesn't it? And that's what we see here. That's what we see here in this text. He says, if you cling to your life or your friends or your job or your relationships, whatever your idol is, anything that you are clinging to more tightly than you're clinging to Christ, I'm going to call an idol. Whatever your idol is, Jesus says, give it up for me. And sometimes we say, no, because I love this thing. I'm very fond of this person or this relationship or this job. And he says, if you give it up, I will give you things that are even better. But if you don't, in the end, you will lose that thing and you will lose the opportunity to get what I was offering to you. You see, he says clearly in verse 25, whoever would save his life, or you can put anything in there that you would cling to more tightly than Christ. For whoever would save his job, for whoever would save his relationship, for whoever would save his whatever, for whoever would save his fill-in-the-blank, will lose it. You cling to that idol instead of Christ, and you will lose it and Christ. But whoever loses his fill-in-the-blank for my sake will find it. I will give you a better life. I will give you a more rich life. In John 10, verses 9 and 10, you don't have to turn there. 
But it says this, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Christ says, give up your life for my sake and I will give you a better life. And this is talking about here now on this earth. When we deny ourselves and take up a cross and follow Christ, even at great price, he gives us better things. He gives us a life that all of a sudden doesn't have the loneliness that our life used to have. He gives us a life that has purpose where we have lived for years and felt like we had no purpose. He gives us a life that has peace where we have been anxious day in and day out. He gives us a life that's full of joy where we have not felt true joy ever before. A life that has love and a life that has family and a life that has all of these things. When we come to Christ, we gain all of these things. He says, if you're willing to give up things for me, you will gain more. If you are not, you will lose it. Do you think if you cling to your job more tightly than you cling to Christ, that when you die that you're going to get to take your job to the afterlife with you? Do you think if you cling to even things that seem more valuable, to your relationship with mom or dad or with your person that, that you're intimately in a relationship with that you love, you think if you cling to that person more tightly than you cling to Christ and you reject Christ for wanting to hold them, that in the end that you're going to get to take them with you into hell when you leave here and still have a great relationship with them. No, what you're doing is you're choosing something that you're going to lose. You're choosing a temporal thing, a temporary thing, over an eternal thing. You're choosing something that you're going to lose anyway over something that you could keep forever. When we lose for Christ, we gain. Romans 6, 23 says for the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord what's something else that we gain when we give up we gain eternal life now there's a big one we gain Christ we gain abundant life now and we gain eternal life after we die when we're willing to deny ourselves to take up a cross to follow Christ even at great price when we repent, when we turn from our sins, when we make him master, savior, and Lord, we gain eternal life when we die. Something that we're all seeking. I want to give you one other here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Talking about when they crucified Christ. It says, None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. When we give up the things that Christ calls us to give up, we gain Christ, and we gain abundant life now, and we gain eternal life later, and we gain eternal life that's going to be filled with riches that our minds cannot comprehend. Brothers and sisters, if you need reason, why you should be willing to even at great cost follow Christ. Here they are. The very last one, briefly and we'll end. Verses 25, uh, 26 and 27. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels and the glory of his Father and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. 
reason three that you should be willing to follow Christ because if you reject Christ, you will lose everything. If you reject Christ, you will lose everything. You see, verse 27 is clear. Christ is coming, and when he comes, he's coming to judge everyone. The things that they have done, you will be repaid for, and the main thing that you will be judged on is, do you have faith in Jesus Christ, or do you not? And if the answer is no, he's not going to ask why. He's not going to say, well, what was more important to you than me? What did you cling to more tightly than me and let you make a good argument and make... No, here's if on that day that he returns, your answer is no, I did not believe in Jesus Christ. I did not think he was worth more than everything else. Then you will depart into hell forever and ever. In Christ, in the loss of following Christ, in having faith in Jesus Christ, we gain lots and lots and lots of things. And in rejecting him, we find the worst punishment that we could ever come into, and it's completely deserved. Brothers and sisters, I don't know where you are today. You may be here, and as I said earlier, you may be on the fence. You may be right there thinking about coming to Jesus Christ, responding to him in faith for the first time. And if you're there, and, I, and you heard at the beginning that there might be a high cost at that, you may have stopped for just a moment. But I pray that today that the scriptures have brought you to an understanding that Christ is worth the high cost. No matter how high it is, even if it's your life, that it's worth it. Because if you cling to your life, you're eventually going to lose it. But if you give it up for Christ's sake, you're going to gain more than you could ever get. I pray today that if you're here and you're a Christian and, and you've heard these verses and we've become so comfortable because of our society and thinking that Christ doesn't call us to big things, that, that we're not ever going to have to give up very much for being his followers. I pray today that you're reminded that that's not true, that Christ does call us to give up things that are precious to us and things that are valuable to us. And one day, even we here in America, even we here in Lincoln County, may be required to give as much as our life to follow him and I ask you this question is your faith strong enough that you would still follow Christ if he required something like that we're going to have a time of invitation I want to invite you to stand and if you need to pray and ask the Lord for forgiveness for, for not having lived in a way that was willing to give up things for him if you're here and you have questions about following him and what that means you have questions about repentance and faith and some of those things I've said I would love to answer those questions if you just need to spend some time praying because of the great challenge that's been laid before you today by God's word you do that you can pray where you are you can pray at these altars I will pray with you I would love the opportunity but if you have something that the Lord is calling you to do I'm going to ask that you would do it as brother Reese leads us in a hymn of invitation mm -hmm.